Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs. Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Welcome to The Great America Show, and we're delighted you're with us. A few positive developments to talk about with you today. Not huge, not earth-shattering. But worthy of note, starting with the number one rhino in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. He pompously has declared that billions of dollars more in aid for Ukraine is the number one priority for the Republicans. Making sure the Defense Department can deal with the major threats coming from Russia and China. Providing assistance for the Ukrainians to defeat the Russians. That's the number one priority for the United States right now, according to most Republicans. That's sort of how we see the challenges confronting uh, the country at the moment. Number one, says Senator Foghorn, not getting inflation down, high prices that are now painfully pressuring American household budgets. McConnell also puts Ukraine ahead of our wide-open southern border, despite the fact that the pro-drug cartel Biden regime has turned over both sides of that border to the cartels. Cartels that have a free pass now across the border to bring in fentanyl that's already killed hundreds of thousands of Americans and with fentanyl, other deadly drugs as well. Heroin, cocaine, methamphetamines, marijuana, and of course, to bring in as well illegal immigrants and continue sex trafficking unimpeded. The crisis on our southern border is so horrendous that Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas has put a gag order on the Border Patrol and everyone else on the National Guard, telling them not to release any numbers on apprehensions of illegal immigrants at the border, which are at, of course, record levels. And speaking of gag orders, all of those who make up the January 6th committee and never proved a thing against President Trump, and have ignored the FBI's plants on Capitol Hill that day that they are so concerned about, and never explained why Pelosi and Schumer turned down President Trump's offer of National Guardsmen to keep order that day. Well, that committee is now trying to keep all their records, all information about their conduct, sealed, and sealed for decades to come which tells us as if we didn't already know who the bad guys really are. And the Marxist Dems are truly bad, truly evil. And the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill contains more than $200 million more to raise the Department of Justice budget in order to prosecute January 6 political prisoners. Another $200 million. Outrageous. And investigations into January 6th committee actions and the FBI DOJ abuses of power are expected to begin next month, right after the new Republican Congress is sworn in. 
The pervasive corruption of the FBI will be the focus of much of the House Judiciary Committee's energy and time, and already there are calls to simply shut down the FBI. It is so corrupt, just simply build a new agency to take its place. And I'm not sure that that isn't the right answer. Our guest today spent 25 years in the FBI. With us today, veteran FBI agent James Galliano who is also CBS News security and law enforcement analyst. James, great to have you with us. We already know as a result of the Twitter files and William Barr's book and other sources, the Justice Department, the FBI, has been riddled with corruption for years. What do you think, how do you feel as we learn more about the level of corruption in the FBI? Well, I, I got to tell you, Lou, um, you're right. I spent 25 years, a full one half of my life when I retired at the age of 50. Um, and I, I love the organization. I continue to love it. I believe um, the core tenets of it, fidelity, bravery, and integrity still resonate. And they still mean something to the vast majority of agents that work there. Look, I, I served under four of the only eight FBI directors in the Bureau's history. And the Bureau started as the Bureau of Investigation back in 1908. And Lou, I think for a long time now in the media, you know, I've been out for six years. Um, I've been holding on to Hanlon's razor. And, you know, Hanlon's razor is that, uh, that, that famous aphorism that says, never attribute to malice that which can adequately be explained by stupidity or incompetence. And I, right. I held on to that throughout all the insanity of you know mid-year review and 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 the russian collusion case and those investigations and the ig investigations and reports but i'll tell you lou i mean corruption is is a strong word but i I struggle now not to sense there to be the pervasion of partisanship in an agency that needs to remain non-political apolitical non-partisan yeah I think that they are, as you say, deeply partisan. They're, it's a deeply corrupted agency. Uh, and I, I think the difficult thing for most of us is to say they are so corrupt that there is no longer a, a basic core to the FBI that is both decent and honorable and faithful to their constitutional oaths of office. Uh, we are looking at uh, what is has been an assault on a president for now. It's in the seventh year. We're looking at two impeachments, uh, two special counsels now. Uh, we've had more than three years of investigations of this president. And frankly, the only wrongdoing that's been uh, uncovered uh, is the straight-out lies of four successive directors of the FBI and a... a a large number of FBI agents and Department of Justice officials who are clearly politically corrupt. Uh, The American people right now, I truly believe, are in something of a state of shock at what we are now coming to terms with. Yeah, I think I think some of it. Look, we're all fallible, flawed human beings. I'm I'm not breaking new ground there. And, And we're all. You know, we all have our own implicit biases, but one of the things that I felt that allowed me to pride myself on being a part of, of the Federal Bureau of Investigation was, 
Lou, the, the 25 years that I was in that organization, and I left on December 31st of 2015, um, was the fact that I never knew what my colleagues' political ideological bents were. We didn't talk about it. We talked sports. We talked uh, home life. Um, you know, we broke stones. We laughed. We did what cops do. We never, ever, ever discuss matters of a political stripe. And, and I just believe that as the Bureau is changing demographically, and I'm not speaking about race, creed, color, ethnicity, sexual orientation, but as it changes ideologically, where for the longest period of time, Lou, the Bureau was a staunchly conservative outfit. That didn't mean that people just voted Republican who were FBI agents, but it was a conservative outfit. It's not anymore. And I think a lot of the ideological changes um, has resulted in, and I'll use the A word, activism. Um, just like we see on the Supreme Court or we see on the federal bench where you have liberal justices that decide not to read the Constitution the way it is written, but to interpret it um, to fit their worldview. And Lou, I think that's affected the FBI as well. Yeah, that's and that's deeply, deeply troubling. Uh, I think you know that uh, I'm I'm one of those people who's always been an idealist when it comes to this country, to its government, uh, particularly the, the FBI, our military, our intelligence agencies. If you had told me even ten years ago that we would be looking at a crisis uh, of integrity in our federal government particularly its intelligence agencies, its FBI, the Department of Justice, I would have said no way in the world. You may find that out in the Department of Interior. You may find it in the U.S. military even. But you're not going to find it in the, in the core, the beating heart of truth, justice, and the American way, which is what the DOJ and FBI always represented to me. And I think for most Americans, uh, it, whatever the conflict, you knew that you had a neutral, highly intelligent, dedicated uh, and uh, capable uh, force to rely on, no matter whether there is local police corruption, political corruption in the state house, uh, or in the, in the federal government itself. We could count on the FBI. The FBI is now, it is now the bad guys. And I can't get away from that reality. I, I just simply cannot believe that we're at this point and they're in the, ma and they're in the midst of a massive cover-up, it's clear, uh, and they have, uh, ex uh, they have extended that corruption into corporate America, uh, into general counsel offices, uh, into security divisions of corporate America, big tech, uh, and social media. It it's stupefying to me. Yeah, I, I think the, the only thing that and, and, and I understand where you're going from. We know each other a little bit, so I understand your heart and I understand your frustration, Lou. And, and it is it is shared by a great swath of the American populace into how this could happen time and time again. We're finding instances where FBI agents aren't acting like we expect FBI agents to do, whether it's Andy McCabe lying four times, three times under oath while the deputy director or, you know, Jim Comey doing the things that he did and some of the dubious decisions that he made. Or even now with Christopher Wray, um, some of the decisions that he'd made. 
and we look at what's going on with with the Twitter files and and what we're what we're learning from those about the FBI's interaction with a with a social media or a tech company giant. And and look, I I think again, it's where people are letting their personal feelings and they're not doing what they're sworn to do. Okay, we all get it. You're sworn to uphold the Constitution and to enforce federal law, but you're supposed to follow the evidence bereft of fear or favor. And Lou, I'll give you a quick example. Those 51 NATSEC experts that dismissed right before this last presidential election in 2020, they dismissed the New York Post revelations about the Hunter Biden laptop as having the classic earmarks or tradecraft associated with Russian disinformation. They never came out and said, this is Russian disinformation because they knew they'd be sued for that. So what they did was they kind of fagazied it by saying it has the classic earmarks or the, the classic trade craft. What did that do? That caused people to look at those 51 people. And those are they were respected people. They were the heads of, you know, national security agencies like the CIA and NSA. They were people that had been in the trenches, people that knew what they were doing. But like James Comey and that clatch, that little cabal around him in 2016, they were so fearful of democracy and what the public wanted, what the majority of the public wanted, that they had to put their fingers on the scale. They think they're righteous because they're doing something to save the republic, Lou, and they're destroying it while they're attempting to save it. Yeah, I think that if they were in such a state of uh, uh, utter delusion that they thought that they were doing, quote unquote, the right thing, uh, then I just don't know what to make of them, because uh, there was no evidence whatsoever. And the FBI knew it. The FBI had to purposely change two 302s in the summer, at the end of the summer, of 2016, when President Trump was still a candidate, they had to change that to set up his former, his soon-to-be national security advisor, General Michael Flynn. The FBI had a group of people willing to sell their souls at uh, every step of the way uh, up that uh, ladder and all the way from the, up to the sixth and seventh floors of the FBI building. It is, it is just. It is awful to contemplate. And now we we know further that with Twitter, which you mentioned, the Twitter files, Jim Baker, the former general counsel, took the job of assistant general counsel at Twitter. And he was absolutely selling the place out. Not, not that that was in any contravention of their values or their ideology, because they were aligned. They were left wing and they were totally, totally committed to attacking conservatives and President Donald J. Trump and doing so in violation of law, ethics, morality, uh, and they did so with their eyes wide open and with full intent. Uh, I, I mean, the idea that there is James, Jim Baker, the assistant general counsel, saying thank you to the uh, upper echelons of the, of the FBI for for wiping out the national news media, suppressing news from the American people, 
which effectively is lying to the American people, it is the most sickening. Uh, I mean, you get physically sick to think that they would do such a thing. Uh, and they did, without any question, without any lack of evidence. There's just nothing but evidence of their, of their, their corruption. Uh, I, I don't know what, I don't even know what can be said at this point. Because we're finding out that the intelligence agencies are bereft of uh, in leadership with integrity, uh, with principle. Uh, the FBI, the Department of Justice, it's a political operation. Where do the American people turn now? Because the Marxist Dems, that party, is under the control of the very same people who are the masters of this puppet president, uh, Joe Biden, who certainly isn't leading the country, is incapable of it. He's impaired. I mean, we are in a hell of a fix, James. Yeah, I think the fight, I mean, if you, if you, you there's two pieces of this. And I want to get back to the FBI piece in a second, Lou. But the piece that you're talking about, look, the Democrats control the media. Um, I, I worked for six, I'm sorry, I worked for four years at CNN as a salaried law enforcement analyst. Um, I work now for CBS and I do some stuff for Fox. But I've seen that the vast majority of what we call the mainstream media, and to me it's laughable because mainstream means on the left, um, it, and it's just accepted. We demand diversity in all things in this country except for thought. Look at the White House press corps. 95% of the people asking the questions um, of the president and the press secretary at the podium, 95% of them donate to Democrats. Look at Twitter. One of the things that we discovered during the Twitter file expose is the fact that the vast majority, 95% isn't, you know, middling majority. It's the vast majority of Twitter employees donated to Democrats. Nothing wrong with that. They have a right to do that in this great country we live in. But why do we demand diversity in all things except for thought? Now, I'll add one more caveat to that, which is this and what I believe led to the dysfunction that we see at the FBI. Now, you call it corruption. Uh, you know, I use a more narrow definition where corruption involves a bribery or, or something like that. But I understand your frustration. Where the FBI went sideways was back during the days of, and I have respect for Robert Mueller. He's a, a, a decorated Vietnam vet, a Marine, um, and he served as the FBI director for 12 years. But Robert Mueller was the first FBI director, and it has been continued after him with James Comey and now with Christopher Wray, where they brought civilians into headquarters to staff senior position. Let's go back to Jim Baker. Jim Baker served as the FBI's general counsel from, I think, January of 2014 until the end of 2017. Jim Baker. He was never an agent. Kevin Kleinsmith, right? Kevin Kleinsmith was the DOJ attorney that the Durham investigation determined had lied and switched a word in an email that caused the FISA during Crossfire Hurricane, the FISA warrant to be reenacted on Carter Page, which allowed that clown show to continue on in perpetuity. Those are just two. A number of the folks that we're discovering in the Twitter files were former FBI. People say that there are a distinction between people that are hired in senior level positions that have never been in 1811. 
They've never arrested anybody. They've never sworn that oath. They've never carried a gun and a badge. And I think, Lou, that's part of the problem. There's been a dilution of talent, and we've allowed people in that do not uphold the FBI's values. Yeah, it's it's right. And I remember we were you know, talking about uh, SWAT teams of uh, FBI agents going in to arrest uh, people on a misdemeanor, uh, accused of lying to the FBI or, you know, one thing or the other, whether it's Roger Stone with his wife uh, in their night clothes uh, outside their home at six in the morning with a SWAT team bearing down on them, you know, armed to the teeth. Uh, I, I think that's a good time uh, for people to understand that you better not move. That is one of the most intimidating sights you can see uh, is a SWAT team outside your house. Uh, it, I, I, I find it very difficult to understand why any man or woman who's taken an oath of office that would be allow, would allow themselves to be put in that situation by a direct order. Uh, I, I can tell you with absolute certainty. Uh, there is no way in the world I would ever, ever uh, be a part of that. I don't care what the consequences would be. And I would certainly like to spread those consequences around if somebody were to try to intimidate me in it. Uh, I, I just can't imagine what's going on because the, the people, the, the basic integrity of these people, many of whom have to be coming out of the military, they know better. And their DNA should tell, should be forcing them to tell superiors, go to hell when asked to to violate their oaths uh, as sworn law enforcement officers. Uh, it, it just stuns me what we've seen. We've now got about two dozen whistleblowers. And for the first time, I'm hopeful that there is a small group of people within the FBI with enough integrity to make a difference. Uh, but otherwise, I think the FBI is is doomed. I really do. Well, let me give you a little inside baseball for your listeners here. So I served on an FBI SWAT team for many years, the, the Brooklyn Queens team that was out of the FBI's New York City office. I led that outfit for four years from 2002 to 2006. I was the senior team leader of the 45 man FBI SWAT team in New York City. Um, and then I also served for four years on the FBI's hostage rescue team as a counterterrorist operator. I'll say this, Lou, when I want to give you some behind the scenes. Sure. Many, of, many of us in the Bureau um, who came in under a certain set of standards were disappointed over the years when the standards were watered down. And so when you allow people to come in who couldn't pass the fit test, that couldn't run the two miles in what the prescribed time was or do the amount of push-ups or pull-ups or the shuttle run in a certain time or sit-ups or what have you. You allowed them to get away with not being able to perform the trigger pull test, which was something that dating back to the Hoover era days, you had to be able to function a revolver and, and, and cycle the chamber so many times in a minute. And because certain folks couldn't do that, they decided to do away with those tests. Well, what happened is for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction was some of the people that you got in the bureau that weren't equipped to go out and do these high risk arrests. Everything started to go to the tactical response teams. Everything was a SWAT job instead of, hey, we're going after a guy that's got three bodies under his belt. We need to send the SWAT team. It was, 
hey, this guy is accused of stealing pharmaceutical receipts. Let's go send the SWAT team. Now, I will say this to counter that just slightly. Some of the most dangerous people that I ever put my hands on were some of the people that you would think you wouldn't have to worry about. People like white collar criminals, people like pedophiles. And why is that? They have the most to lose. Now, I'm not going to argue that sending SWAT teams out after misdemeanors um, are sometimes these things staged to to make a splash and to send a message, whether it's misdemeanors related to the January 6th guys. Yeah, that could happen, too. But I think part of it, too, is where the bureau's gotten to a point now where anytime they have to go out and put their hands on somebody and take them into custody, they don't want to take any chances. And they said in the dadgum SWAT team. Yeah, I, you know, I, I came up as a police and fire reporter 100, 100 years ago. Uh, I, I, I've watched deputy sheriffs uh, sitting there in the middle of a, of a citrus grove. Uh, surrounded by people, uh, and all he's got is his six-shooter, and I'm talking about a six-shooter. That's how long ago it was, and it's part of the part of the country. It was in Yuma, Arizona, and those deputies had to stand there in the dark often, all alone, waiting for backup, uh, but they can they confronted every kind of dangerous animal that you can imagine. Uh, and police departments do it all across the country. Police officers, uh, n- not police SWAT teams, although that's become uh, that's become sort of a, a a fashion statement, I think now as well. And by the way, I'm not putting them down. Uh, I, I have to tell you, I'm one of those guys who, if I had to do what state patrol uh, uh, troopers do every day, stop a car by myself out in the dark uh, on the side of a highway. I, I'm telling you, my first thing to do, I, I'd fire a shot in the air just to make sure everybody was paying attention, uh, because that is one of, to me, the scariest things I can imagine any police officer doing or any law enforcement officer. So, I mean, I've got great respect for them. Uh, we've just reached a point here where there's too much politics in law enforcement uh, at the federal level, and it's got to be rooted out. Uh, we, you know, I... I I, I was listening to a number of people, one of whom said, we've got to just simply get rid of the FBI and start anew. I'm not certain I could persuasively argue differently. Your thoughts? You know, that's a, I've heard that argument before. And, and look, I think this argument um, about a restructure comes about probably every decade. The last time while I was still on the job that it happened, Lou, was in the immediate aftermath of 9-11. And there were people, and, and I have to admit to you, that was, the, that was the fulcrum of my career, the middle of my career. But at that time, as a, as a junior or mid-level uh, FBI agent, I heard persuasive arguments from senior agents that the FBI should be broken into two. It should not be kept as it is, because it went from a predominantly uh, an organization that that worked criminal violations to an intel agency. And that's a difficult transition to make. Look, in, in Britain, they've got MI5, and that's the security service that handles everything domestically. And then they've got MI6, which is essentially their CIA. They handle all the foreign intelligence um, matters that come that 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 impact Britain. There have been arguments that the FBI should have been bifurcated. It should have been divided into two. Let the let the gumshoes, the old G-men that were, you know, out there arresting the bank robbers and the gangbangers and the mafiosi, let them continue to do that. 
have a wing of that that's obviously more robustly expanded to to deal with the the, the counterterrorism aspect, meaning the in, international terrorism and the domestic terrorism threats. And then Lou separate and have a separate intel agency such as MI5. I think when you cloud the matter by yes, criminal investigations and counterterrorist investigations are also intelligence driven, but when you allow again these people that come in with these abstractions and these esoteric thinking and it's not what you need to do the job that the FBI did for a hundred years before for an entire century and did it successfully. I yeah. think I think you're right. Uh, and I'm I'm surprised for you to say that because I, I think it's also important because you're talking about the correlation between MI5 and MI6 in the UK. Uh, frankly, those two agencies, intelligence agencies, domestic and uh, then their foreign uh, MI6 operation, I, I mean, they have been talking about riddled. They've been riddled with uh, scandal, uh, with uh, all sorts of uh, uh, failures uh, to to control uh, their their uh, espionage and uh, surveillance activities, their spy activities. Uh, they've had more uh, double agents uh, discovered. I, I, it, it, to me, it's just it's been horrific. And I think the basic problem is they have MI5. I don't think we should have a domestic surveillance uh, operation. I, I don't care what anybody says. It hasn't worked since uh, 2001. It's not going to work now uh, because it's just it's created too much corruption to, because you've said it, I think, absolutely correctly. There is one thing to, to carry out espionage and surveillance on a, on a, on a foreign enemy. It is quite another to carry it out against American people. And that's what this has all been about since 2016, surveilling and carrying out counterterrorism against American citizens and indeed a president of the United States. This is madness, and we've got to stop the madness. I, I hear your point, and, uh, and, and, it's, and it's well taken. But I would just, I would argue that don't, don't, don't don't get rid of the baby with the bathwater in the sense that I think there are models that are worth looking at. And, 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 and look, I mean, it's just like with politicians, you know, sometimes, you know, they espouse the right values and the right virtues, but they don't live up to the same. Or they they argue that we need to do this. We need to do that to save the planet. And then they're hypocritical and they don't follow their same advice. So I, I hear what you're saying. I just think that there needs to be a different model. I think that the FBI to be an intelligence agency, which is what it has become, versus a an agency that goes after and attacks criminals, that goes after and 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 does what it did so successfully for 100 years. I think we need to relook at that. I don't think they work well together in the same organization. To, and I should have. To make this very clear for the audience, uh, some part of the audience that doesn't watch one of those three FBI television shows, uh, there's a national uh, security division within the FBI. And then there is the domestic law enforcement uh, apparatus that we all think of when we think of the FBI. Uh, it's created all sorts of conflicts. We saw it play out in, uh, and frankly, in two, impeach in two impeachment hearings as well. Uh, the FBI's National Security Division was right in the middle of that. Uh, and 
and now, by the way, I just mentioned the FBI shows. Um, what do you make of this PR campaign that the FBI has got underway? Three, count them, folks, three uh, FBI shows every week. What do you think of that, James? Well, look, I, I have to say, you know, J. Edgar Hoover was 29 years old when he took over the, the Bureau of Investigation in 1924. He ran the agency for 48 years, and yeah, he did some things that are obviously beneath contempt, but he did a wonderful job of building a great, the premier law enforcement agency in the world. He did right. a great job in doing that. A big part of that was the way that he promoted it. And that was part of it. You know, it's it's availability heuristic. It's the more you see something, it excites people. And it, it the more you can, you know, put positive press out there, it's a good thing. The problem is, no matter how many shows they put out there, how many movies, how many productions, how many puff pieces, there's so much negative news, legitimate negative news about the FBI. It's hard to counter right now, Lou. Yeah, right now, I'd say that uh, the news networks are doing better than the show's because uh, it's it's a spellbounding tale the corruption that has been uh, the the FBI's uh, legacy here over the past certainly decade. Uh, let, let's turn, if we also may, uh, to the issue of uh, Twitter having some twenty employees, ex FBI. Uh, we now know that uh, you know that that's the case around the country. Uh, these FBI agents are going into corporations. They're being put in charge of security. Uh, they're going into general counsel offices in some cases. Uh, they have extensive influence. And this at the same time that corporate America is going Marxist left uh, with ESG and CRT. Uh, it's a deeply troubling time because there is a pervasive uh, anti-American uh, influence at work in both corporate, it was once corporate America, now it's corporate global, uh, and also in academia. Uh, it's a it's a difficult time in history for us to get our heads around all that is all that's nefarious and going on in some cases right under our noses. Yeah, I, I, I hear your point there too. And look, I, I want to stress again. I've only seen some of the names that have been revealed of former FBI employees. And Lou, I'm going to make that distinction. The names that I read that worked for Twitter that were former FBI were not former agents. And that's the problem. These are intel analysts and these are people that are hired as civilians to work in the FBI. The second piece that I'll give you really quickly is this one. When I read the exchange between Yoel Roth, the you know, standard safeguards, trust security guy from Twitter and the FBI. I think he was an assistant special agent in charge at GS-15 that had reached out to him from that new FBI program that's, you know, investigating foreign interference in, in our elections. Yeah. The agent that sent the email and did the exchange with Roth. Elvis. Elvis Chan had his pronouns in his signature block. And Lou... I don't care what he identifies as. I don't care who he loves. I don't care about any of that. It's not appropriate in the signature block for a mid-level manager in the FBI to put he, him, his. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a bunch of folks. I mean, by the way, that's an ideological statement of uh, as well that he's uh, using. Uh, he might as well be leading with how he voted in the last election. 
uh, and the candidate of his choice in the next. Uh, it's that outrageous. Uh, and, and then we learn the FBI, speaking of Elvis Chan, uh, I mean, he's a go-between between a, a contrived little agency, as you referred to it there, uh, uh, as uh, the F, what was it, FITI, uh, and, and the FBI paying Twitter $3.5 million to, uh, to, as the uh, Daily Mail put it, do its bidding, taxpayer money, suppressing Hunter Biden laptop stories, and you know, filling in to silence free voices in the in a corporate uh, news environment. Uh, it, it's there's a there is such an anger right now on the part of the American people. I don't care what the left wing media says. The American people are not stupid, and they are outraged, and they are sick to their stomach. And what people had better hope is that the American people uh, do not do not get taxed further. Uh, by this uh, this administration and all of these uh, left wing Marxists who make it up. Yeah, don't, and also don't forget, Lou. One of the other things that I think shocked me to my core was the fact that the FBI gave—I'd never heard of this—a temporary top secret security clearance to a number of Twitter executives. Now, for your listeners, there's only four security clearances. The lowest is confidential, then there's secret, then there's top secret, and then the highest of the high is the sensitive compartmented information classification. How in good conscience can they give temporary top secret security clearances to these Twitter executives? I, I just, it, it boggles the mind, Lou. Yeah, and, and, and remember James Comey, he gave one to his, uh, his professor buddy. Uh, and, and he actually had a card to get in the uh, into FBI headquarters. We know Jim Baker kept his security clearance, so they didn't really need to worry about too much. And by the way, now we learn, you know, that uh, the, the Perkins Coy uh, uh, law firm, the, the Democratic Foundation uh, law firm, they had a portal that reaches into the heart of the FBI uh, system. And now we find out so did big tech, so did big social media. These there they were wired up together. And I for as far as I know, they still are. That is absolutely insane uh that it's that it's happened in this country and the American people still don't get it. They still don't understand. This is a war uh, by the Marxist Dems who lead the Democrat Party who manage this puppet president and his administration. It's their administration. And you talk about fundamental transformation. That is the order of the day. And we are watching helplessly as our government ha has been subsumed uh, by these Marxist stems, the deep state, uh, and they are in control of U.S. Gov right now. Yeah, I, I, I tell you, you, you bring up some great points right now. And, and Lou, it's going to be a matter of fighting the good fight at the ballot box, fighting the good fight as far as pushing back on the narratives. And then we have to hope that the good people that do join the FBI or that are still in the FBI do the right thing. I have confidence. I think you have a little less confidence than I do, but I have confidence that they will continue to do that. The problem is the top, 
The problem is, as it always is, Lou, it's the culture that emanates from the top, the, the penthouse corner office and the people making the decisions there. And unfortunately, the FBI's undergone a number of major changes in its promotion system. You pointed out, you know, the, the basically the revolving door of people being able to get in and out of FBI headquarters and have access. Michael Sussman, I think, was one of the attorneys that you were referring to in regard to having that uh, having that inside lane to get to James Baker. And, and it's wrong. And that's got to stop. I, I, I hope that it does. And I think we're going to learn a lot more as, as more of these Twitter files come out. I think we're going to learn a lot more about the interactions in 2020 between the FBI and this group of 80 agents that were working with Elvis Chan in regards to what they asked big tech to do, what they asked them to censor, what they asked them to mute. And if you're going to tell me that some tiny guy living in Paducah, Kansas, or Paducah, Kentucky, who's got three followers that makes a joke about the election, and all of a sudden the FBI is sending his name and his account to Twitter to have him muted, I'm going to argue to you, Lou, that we've got better things to spend our resources on in fighting crime in this country. Absolutely. And, and let me give you an example, and this may sound at least at, fir at first like a digression. But we now got a report that 60 FBI agents are now pursuing a murderer, a, a multiple well, a murderer of four people in Moscow, four students uh, up there. It's been a month. They don't have clue one. It has been Keystone Cops. It's a small community, 30,000, Moscow, uh, Idaho, at the University of Idaho there. Uh, and we don't expect small town, uh, small town, small city uh, police forces to be as sophisticated or effective. But I mean, they're trampling through the evidence. I, I mean, they're not even watching NCIS, let alone the FBI, one of the FBI shows, because any idiot would have known better than to do what they've done. Uh, and, and somehow the FBI has 60 agents that can devote to that. Since when was murdered a, a, a federal crime? What is going on with the FBI that it has that kind of excessive manpower that it can shove 60 agents onto a case? I mean, that's crazy. Well, this is one where I would say that you're absolutely correct. Murder is not a violation or a, a, um, a, a typical criminal violation that the FBI investigates unless it's part or attached to another federal violation. And there's 4,500 different federal crimes. And look, I, I worked homicide cases when they were attached to violent street gangs when we were going after organized crime. In this instance, Lou, um, I believe what I have heard, and again, I have no inside information, but just reading the judicial tea leaves and in some of my former uh, colleagues that I've spoken to, a small department like the Moscow, Idaho Police Department, which is this tiny little enclave in the northern tip of Idaho, they just don't have the resources. They don't have the crime scene personnel. Right. They just don't have the resource. I believe that's why. And the reason why the FBI would be called in, I think, because this crime so stunned the senses where you had a guy, you know, use an edged weapon, stab to death four young students, four young co-eds, and basically get away in the middle of the night and nobody saw or heard anything. I think that has the community on edge. And I think that's what's made it a national story. If I can just give you my color to that story. No, I, I think you're exactly right. 
But my point would be we do have a federal crime that's being committed every day, and that is crossing that border illegally, bringing in with it sex trafficking, bringing in with it deadly drugs like fentanyl, killing over 100,000 Americans a day. And I don't hear a damn word from the FBI about that border. I don't hear a word from this administration about shutting down the Mexican drug cartels that are controlling both sides of that border. That's a big damn federal crime. And James, you and I both know somebody's running from those cartels and they live in Washington and work in Washington, D.C. It's inexcusable. And my heart goes out to the families of those four kids and my heart goes out to that community. But I have to tell you, they've got manpower when we've got hundreds of thousands of people being killed by the Chinese and the Mexican drug cartels in this country, and I don't hear a peep about it? Come on. Well, I'll tell you what, Lou, I can give you a little insight. Having spent two years of my FBI career south of the border in Mexico City as the FBI's um, uh, deputy legal attache, and then I served for a year as the acting legal attache, and I'll tell you, you're, you're spot on at, in regards to the concerns about the border. And yes, I wish more resources were being devoted down there and that our, uh, our, our government, our federal government, did more than just pay lip service here to actually closing that border. It is a travesty what's going on. And again, I'm not worried about somebody coming from Guatemala and trying to get across the border to seek a better life for their family. The problem is, is that the bad state actors like Iran, North Korea, um, Russia, China, they also know that our border is so porous that if you need to come in, it's far easier to walk across the 2,000 mile border between us and Mexico than it is to get across the 5,000 mile border we share with Canada. So your point is right. Resources should be redirected and uh, your point is well taken. And, you know, at the very least, the FBI could maybe make it a plot line on uh, one of those FBI shows that they're, they're running uh, I, if they haven't got the guts to stand up and go after the cartels. They had the guts to go after the mafia, and that worked out really, really well for, the, for, the, for communities uh, who had much to fear. Uh, and in some cases still do. But the the problem is much, much more manageable today than it once was. Uh, I, I just uh, want to say to you, uh, thanks so much, James, for being with us. I'm going to give you the last word here because we've uh, we've covered a lot of territory. We always give our guests the last word. Uh, I appreciate what you said about the cartels. But if we don't get in control of that border, we're not in control of our country. And to me, it's that simple. Uh, I, I want to say just again. Thank you for being with us and uh, and illuminating these issues uh, for our audience and for me. Thank you. Lou, I appreciate you having me back. And uh, man, we covered a, a whole host of, uh, of topics related to the FBI. And I think we really just scratched the surface. Um, I trust that the agency is doing some soul searching from within. I trust that when Republicans get control of the Congress here come in the new year, that they do do a deep dive into just how the FBI is functioning, especially at headquarters, and make sure that all the national security agencies, how they interface, the lessons that we learned, where are the gaps, you know, what are we doing to protect the next 911? You know, the bad guys, you know, they're always probing and trying to find the spot where we're least, we have our, our defenses down and we're least equipped to, to defend. So 
I trust that that's going on. I know there's some great folks in the FBI that are still fighting the good fight. But I do share your concern right now, Lou, that there's got to be some pretty major substantial changes at the top or we're just going to continue down this road right now. And it's not a pretty road. No, and it has uh, it's a descent. It's not an ascent uh, that we're on that trajectory. Uh, James, I appreciate you being with us. I hope you'll come back soon. Uh, this is going to be with us for some time, and I, I, I think it's good for everyone to hear your voice uh, with your experience and with your perspective and intelligence on all of this. Uh, we appreciate it, and I wish you a Merry Christmas. Thanks for being with us, and God bless you. Merry Christmas to you too, Lou. Thanks for having me. James Galliano, great American. Thanks, James, for being with us, and thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Tomorrow, our guest is Senator Marsha Blackburn. And please follow me on Twitter at Lou Dobbs. That's Twitter at Lou Dobbs on Truth Social at Lou Dobbs. Again, at Lou Dobbs. Thanks for being with us. Join us tomorrow. Till then, God bless you and may God bless America.